That was Arcade King by Cyberoptics uh, from the titular track from his 2021 release, Arcade King. Cyberoptics, we linked the uh, Bandcamp in the IRC. <laughs> My name is Karen Zoe Lee. You're listening to Night Ride FM. And I have a guest tonight, Sander Gavin. He's got an album coming up on August 25th, which, by the way, is Neon Fox's birthday. So I've got Sander on tonight to talk about that upcoming release. But before that, I've got some new and recent singles that I want you to hear. And if you weren't tuning in last week, uh, we played this brand new one from Prism. This is a track called Sober. I don't want to hear it tonight. So much has changed. Not even memories feel the same. And all the friends that keep saying your name. Do they think that I'm to play? When we broke down in your car. Prism. 
Absolutely beautiful. We love that. <laughs> Julian can't get that one out of his head. Coming up next, I played this a couple weeks ago. Monse Torres sent me a few submissions, and this one is just gorgeous. This is a track called Orion. <laughs> Taurus. A beautiful submission. Maybe I'll play the next one next week. <laughs> but you know what we do have? We have a brand new track from Laura Dre of Outland Recordings. And uh, I had her on when she released her last album. She's already coming out with new stuff. Here's a track called Beautiful Summer. Is it fate that I am right here at this moment with
was Beautiful Summer by Laura Dre from Outline Recordings. And uh, speaking of new stuff, I have a brand new single from a brand new sort of artist. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> spelled K-V-N, is comprised of three Austin artists, uh, one of whom I think you'll recognize. First, we're going to listen to this. This is Kevin with High and Low. Prima's vocals. Uh, it is uh, Prima the Alien, uh, Lady Hartwing, and Dossie, all from um, Austin. 
in Texas with uh, Primo's go-to trusty co-producer, Taylor Webb. So that's a new project that she's got going on. Yeah. Have you purchased the new Lavenue EP yet, Azure? Uh, you know what? I haven't played this one for you. This is Erica. <laughs>
that was Erica by Lavenu from his most recent release, Azure. So pick that up on Bandcamp. Of course, I got the cassette. I got to catch up on the vinyls and the posters. He's got a three poster set. It's gorgeous. It's always gorgeous. He's a master of branding. <laughs> Coming up next, I have a submission from Alex Afilani, a collaboration that he did with Vincenzo Salvia, a song called Radio Nota.
was Radio Nota by Alex Afilani and Vincenzo Salvia. Uh, I have another one uh, from Lint Sword. This was my favorite one that he sent me. This is Streets of Decay.
That was Streets of Decay by Lint Sword. <laughs> Lint Sword, S-O-R-D. <laughs> Coming up next, I know you know this one. This is Running to You by Annie and Midnight Hi-Fi.
was running to you by Annie and Midnight Hi-Fi. And we're going to keep running with Runaway by Mental Exile. Yeah. 
run away by mental exile coming up next we have one from ghost tag who just released rerun undead volume one uh, one of my favorite tracks is mass phobia <laughs> Phobia by Ghost Tech. And uh, check out that whole album, Rerun Undead Volume 1, because all the tracks run together. If I was a better DJ, I would have faded that out. But I've got one more for you before I bring out my guest of the hour. This is uh, Night Ride favorite, Night Leather. <laughs> Came out with his self-titled album. And uh, here's my favorite track. This is Safe Word. The living, breathing nightmare with its own very special surprise. Wander through its myriad of secret passageways and winding labyrinths.
safe word by night leather pick up his uh, self-titled album was just released this year on Bandcamp. all right here we go <laughs> i hope you've been keeping your eyes on sander gavin he has a release coming out august 25th and it's available for pre-order now primeval uh, available on Bandcamp. so uh here <laughs> the world has declared their favorite track already this is hooked on you by sander gavin
And that was Hooked on You by Sander Gavin from his upcoming album, Primeval. And of course, my guest of the hour is Sander Gavin himself. Hello, sir. Hello, hello, hello. Here in the flesh. Thank you for joining me. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So Hooked on You. I, I just, I picked that one to open with because I, just, I, I feel like that's the crowd pleaser right now. Of all the singles that you have released so far. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, like, which one's kind of hit. That one kind of really took off. Like, I barely even put any promotional effort in it, and it's just blowing up, which is really strange. You know, usually I have to put, like, ad spend and, and so forth. But this is, like, the song is, like, blowing up on SoundCloud, which I've never had happen. So wow. uh, I guess it really is infectious. Like, I'm getting people that can't stop listening to it and stuff like that. So it's really nice to hear. Like, you know, when you think about your album, you're thinking, what are the singles going to be? That was not the one that I would have put, like, first, right? So... Mm. I kind of sandwiched it in between She's a Professional and I, th- I think Call of the Wild is the full single before that one. Yeah, so Deja Vu came out almost a year ago. Um, oh, and that was right. the first single, yeah, that came out in November. You know, last year I released Definitive Motion uh, and I released it as like one single and then an album style, right? Mm. Uh, and what's interesting, you know, as a, a small indie artist, like when you do that, you get one chance to promote your album and then it's kind of like it has its moment and then it is forgotten in history. And so I just thought, what's what's the best next step? Do you wait a full year writing an album or you just start releasing? So I just tried something new. And I was like, let's throw the single Deja Vu out. I was kind of had an idea for an album and the song was there. The original plan, I guess, was to do every single song as a single. And then at the end, just drop the album. I got a little impatient, so we only got four out. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it works, right? So like for, for us little lesser known artists, right? It's like each song is an opportunity to to push stream. And an EP just kind of drops out of nowhere all at once. That's fun. Totally. Well, I, when an EP, it's like three or four songs, right? So it's not like you spent all year creating this this piece, right? And so there's mm-hmm. less investment in it. So I think there's a combo, right? Maybe it's an EP. Maybe it's you know a trickled out album. But I will say just from trying uh, a few of these things, I think the trickled out album is the, uh, the right approach. So for me, at I least so. right now. <laughs> No, it is. And, you know, uh, if if your singles are consistent enough, then people are going to buy that album whether you've given them the whole thing or not. Yeah, well, you know, there's another interesting thing, right? Because, you know, I look at my last album, uh, Definitive Emotion, and there was a couple obvious singles. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think there are album tracks, right? Where it's like, eh, that's better on the album as part of the story. But it's interesting when I was writing this album, like song by song, every song had to be a single. I think what I ended up with was a much stronger piece of work because each song was meant to be able to stand alone, right? Versus, mm-hmm. eh, I'll just throw down the album and kind of cover it up with other music. So if something wasn't good enough to be a single, I kind of dropped it. And so now a year later, you know, I think six out of eight are singles the other two are instrumentals uh, so i wouldn't really put those as, as singles at least in my style but uh, it, it kind of forces you to think more about what you're putting out so it's kind of cool there too no that's awesome so uh what are the plans for uh, the physical releases oh so this one um is the first vinyl uh, i'm putting out so that's something i've always wanted to do you know never had the the means or you know shipping capacity to to make that happen so uh, the vinyl is really something that i'm really excited to to put out um but this will be on vinyl cassette so i'm doing like high bias cassette which i believe you have already mm-hmm. a little ahead of time um mm-hmm. it'll be on a, a digi pack and mini disc as well the cassette is missing something what is it missing your signature Ooh, I'm gonna have to send you something else with the signature on it. Uh, well, I uh, the vinyls are probably not coming through your hands 
physically, are they? They all are. So um, I'm not only an artist, I'm also the hair club president of Red Manor Records US. So Yeah, um, I was going to get into that, but I didn't know when you wanted to bring all that we, don't, we can get into a little here, but yeah, so everything, um, you know, my music included, but everything from the US comes uh, straight from me. So Yeah, I imagine so. And then in the UK. Yeah, the UK is uh, Tony, Tony mm, Bia. That's so cool. Um, did you found this label together? Uh, so it's an interesting story. So uh, the Synthwave compilation, this is Synthwave. Uh, I think Tony was sometime like last year, maybe around this time, uh, he was posting in, in sites looking for artists that wanted to jump on this compilation. And at that time, I had been spending some time with other Synthwave artists or synth pop artists, uh, just chatting online. And like, we kind of built a little community. And one of my friends, uh, Zaja, you know, she hit us up like, hey, this guy's looking for people to join this compilation, uh, drop your music. Um, and at that time, I think I gave him faster than light the million miles mix Mm. Uh, he loved it went on the album and that was kind of the start so he had already had this vision of what he wanted you know a record label that was for the artists and so forth so a song got on there and of course he loved it he wanted to do another uh, compilation so this is synthwave 2 and me being a little bit greedy i was like let me try to get on that one as well (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so of course you know got on that one as well through that time like he was distributing in the uk and noticed you know through chatting back and forth that we were having um, you know more challenges getting it to the u.s so shipping is a barrier, right? And so I'd never had plans to be on a label or to be running a label. But I was like, hey, you know, I'm in the US. Why don't you drop shit through me and I can ship out from New York? And that's kind of how it started. He's like, you know, I think you have great ideas. I think you have a good business mind for music. And we just hopped on a call and talked about what we would want to do with a record label. And that's kind of where it started. And, you know, we developed a friendship over time and just our kind of vision of how we want to, how we think a label should run um, was just a match, right? So it's more artist focused. We don't take things like uh, publishing rights or you know a lot of labels will say we'll take 30 40 percent of everything the artist has digital and publishing and just being an artist it's like that's pretty much we're hardly making enough to buy a cup of coffee to take 30 (laughs) percent of that right like it just didn't feel right and so uh you know our vision with red manor is more how do we support artists getting physical out there that is you know, it's harder for some to actually make that happen. So that was really a vision. Like we support artists with kind of licensing for physical media um, and they keep their their name and their content remains their own. So, you know, that was really, I thought it was a great, great plan. You know, I've never run a label, so I didn't know if that's a smart business move, uh, but it was the right one. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. I really do. I know how labels can be. Yeah, I think there's, there's value, right? There are labels that have, you know, a big name that can get you more exposure. And, you know, if you're dealing with a major label, it's even more so right they'll actually put a lot of money towards you so you know it makes sense but you know i think where we are at as a label and like where uh, a lot of synthwave artists were there's just not a home for for artists that just need a little support um, but still want to have their music as their own and and be able to do what they want with it so i guess we are that that kind of voice in the scene right now i love that we need that yeah and you meet you meet great people right so you know i don't like to think i'm like some ceo i'm just it's kind of like a community of artists that just get together and um, we help each other kind of move music forward and i just happen to be shipping right Right. So, hmm. yeah, we have a lot of great artists that like we collaborate. We're having great, you know, remixes coming out. And I've already collaborated with a few. So we had a single come out with Horizons 1982 recently, which was uh, actually on the live stream we did. Um, nice. And then Sleepless Nights, uh, we, we did a track too. So, uh, you know, I'm just I'm meeting artists and we're liking each other's stuff and we're just helping each other uh, each other do stuff. So at the end of the day, we're making good music and we're selling some some physicals. So. Nice.
the sun get me on that um <laughs> you know i'd love to work with like a droid bishop or uh i'd love to do music for ollie ride but you know we'll see you know maybe next year that'd be cool <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so far i haven't said no to a collab so you know a lot of artists you know will ask and i'm on this phase right now just to say yes and see what happens so i have a few out there already and more kind of in the works as as we speak uh, which i'm probably not shouldn't talk about yet because you know marketing and all that it's just interesting. It stretches you in different ways, whether I'm like singing for somebody else and hearing their production or if I'm producing for someone. It's just, it kind of changes, uh, you know, the creativity, right? When I'm writing music for myself, it tends to be this same kind of, you know, synth pop 80s vibe, but um, I'm able to kind of explore more. So like the Sleepless Nights track, for instance, was something way kind of out of what I would have normally done, right? It was more like dream pop or like true synth wave, mm-hmm. which I tend to be a little bit more pet shop about it, but... <laughs> 
Is that what you listen to? Oh, yeah. I listen to, I mean, a lot of my influences are more like like straight 80s synth pop. So New Order was like my first my first love. I even have a, a New Order tattoo from the Procession uh, 1981 release. Nice. Yeah, so they were my my kind of, you know, opening up to, to the synth world. Uh, before that, I was a goth kid. So I was into like, you know, Nine Inch Nails and, you know, Depeche Mode and The Cure and all that. But, you know, it was New Order, it was Gary Newman, Flock of Seagulls, Pet Shop, a little bit of like early ministry. I think I can hear that sometimes in my music. So like that really cheesy... <laughs> <laughs> before they went hardcore yeah mostly like you know my, my playlist will be like straight up anything from like 80 to 91 so i'm really kind of stuck in that time period but uh, and that's you know when i found synthwave i didn't really realize it was a thing i was like all of a sudden i was hearing music uh randomly i was like well that sounds like the music i listen to who is doing this right mm. um and then uncovered that there's a whole scene of people that are, are doing that music now because <laughs> that moment you're like oh i'm not alone right there's there's others out there so uh, it's really cool to kind of stumble into that and find a, a group of people that you know one were into the same music but also supporting each other so yeah that's the best part <laughs> yeah i think that was the the really the piece that stuck out because i i'd been doing music since you know 1997 i think that dates my age a little bit but <laughs> i went you know through the goth dark wave scene and then in the early 2000s was more in like the synth pop which was kind of at that time blending in with like trance music but it was like ebm synth pop everything was like 140 beats per minute kind of went from that scene but like in that scene at that time a lot of the synth pop artists weren't really supporting each other so i didn't find this community of artists that were kind of like listening to each other's music. It was pretty much like everybody's out for themselves. Everybody wants to get, you know, their music heard and noticed and it just didn't feel the same, right? Mm -hmm. So when I stumbled in, you know, this scene, I, I was like, wow, everybody actually cares what the other people are, are doing and playing and um, the fans want to engage and talk to you and it was just very, very different. Wow. I didn't realize it was that different from other things. I've never been a part of another scene before. <laughs> I know that there can be drama in a lot of, most of them. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is with with synth pop. I think it's because it's it's probably more mainstream, so it's more kind of cutthroat, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I just didn't get in with the right people, but you know, it was to a point. I was, I think, my first solo album was in 2010, and I, I really pushed hard for maybe five, six years. Around my last album, 2016, 2017, I had kind of stopped. So you know, you put so much effort in, and you know, life goes in a different direction. And at that point, I was like, you know, it's it's time to focus on the career and grow up a bit, and not focus on music and um, um, I kind of went that direction and kind of stopped with writing. And really it was, you know, I think what I hear a lot is people with this pandemic, right? It's you were stuck in your house for a month. <laughs> I was kind of like looking at my computer, looking at the keyboard I haven't touched in, in three or four years. And I was like, hey, maybe it's time, you know, maybe I'll write one. And that one song was uh, antisocial behavior, uh, which was really about sitting in my house and loving it and <laughs> <laughs> not having to go out because, you know, a lot of people struggled with, with that, but uh, I am extremely introverted. And so being forced to be locked in my apartment was actually really great able to connect reconnect with myself and not have to think about you know school and work and all of those things and I, it just I didn't stop so I wrote the one track and then I wrote another and in a couple months I had definitive motion down and that came out I think it's been a while now I think November uh, and then since then it was like you know the world's picking back up and I realized you know this is something I'm still passionate about and it's it was missing in my life and I was like how do I keep going uh, now that I'm back to normal right so the world opened back up and it's not normal yet but by any means but back to work working 40 plus hours a week how do I have time for music and so I made a pack with myself for the next 12 months to release one song every month um, and I've actually done it which is pretty <laughs> it's pretty crazy so <laughs> got a whole album out and then a bunch of collabs and you know I realized if I take my music and I apply it to how I do my work right calendaring and, and creating space and creating time I can do 
I can do both. That's really, that's where I am, and I, I don't think I plan on stopping. So it's interesting how some major crazy catastrophe in life can can turn things around for you. I, I think it's a, a similar story, though. I hear a lot of artists in the same in the same boat that kind of started back up in the uh, pandemic. And I, I think it's just an interesting time to see how much music will be coming out that we probably wouldn't have had, right? Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It seems to have done more for everyone's creativity. Right. And now hopefully people can get out and start doing shows and, and actually perform it again. But I think you'll see that kind of as the next reawakening, right? Like it's really going to be the roaring 20s when everybody can let loose again. So, <laughs> When was the last time you were on stage? Like for real, not a, a yeah, stream? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was uh, watching uh, Synth Valley Stream Fest great yeah. set, by the way. Thank you. Um, Is that uh, the band you're usually live with? So I... I played, the last live show I had was probably 2012, uh, and it wasn't for my own music. I was in a, a band, Strange Radio Fruit, and we had a, a different singer, so I was just the keyboardist. Oh. The last time singing on stage must have been 2005. I think there's some videos. I think one of the songs I have a video of from that time in, in Detroit was a very early version of Deja Vu. That was actually an older song in my band, Fascination Incorporated. We were kind of like a, a dreamy synth pop or dreamwave band, I guess. You know, we broke up. Uh, you know, one of my great friends, uh, Brandon, who was the drummer, passed away. And we kind oh, of just, sorry. yeah, the band kind of separated. And, uh, you know, I went my own way. And, you know, since then, you know, again, being an introverted person, it was like I was starting to get into my 20s, late 20s and 30s. And playing live just wasn't, you know, as appealing as it used to be. So I think I'm definitely more of a, a studio musician. I love creating. <laughs> I like writing. I like putting it out in the world. And I think I just like to write the next thing. <laughs> So I have this album out and I'm already like, okay, what's next? And I have, you know, people on the phone ready to call me and, and get talking about like collabs and getting things going. So I'm sure they'll at some point be, be a live show. Honestly, I like the streaming thing. I think that is, uh, you can control it somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> but there is definitely when you go on stage, you, you feel the, the energy from the crowd. And I do miss that. So yeah, um, that is the one thing missing from the shows. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a lot of work though, right? You got to, you know, pick your eight songs that you want to play over and over again. And I think yeah. when you're just like a <laughs> habitual writer, it's like, ah, I don't want to sing that one anymore. I want to write a new one. So uh, we will see. Uh, but those the two people I played with was the producer Horizon 1982. Um, and then Johnny from Sleepless Nights were in the, the live show. Um, and we have so with Horizons, he's going to be producing uh, my next album with me. So I just love the way he works. He mastered um, Primeval. So he did some help with me just getting that mixed and mastered and, and set up um, but just awesome producer he has this crazy ear and he'll just tell you exactly which eq you need to change and in like two minutes like hey, adjust this one and take this one down and, and all of that so he's fantastic and then johnny is a legendary guitar player so just amazing so we have a couple projects we're doing some chill wave together that'll probably be extremely just instrumental and just something to listen to on the beach and then me and horizons are, are doing a collab album so cool yeah it, it'll be good to hear instrumentals again it's two sides, right? So it's the one side we're gonna do something chill, and then I think with Horizons, I just want to do some some really like upbeat dance music, right? So if you listen to the whole Primeval, it's kind of outside of Hooked on You, everything is kind of slower. It's meant to be. It's more romantic, but I think after that, a year of that, I want like beats again. I want something a little more disco, and it gets us going. So cool. You met her at a hotel bar.
do you want to premiere one before Ooh. the release? One that hasn't uh, dropped yet? Uh, we can do we can do Human Nature. So that one was kind of like maybe would have been the next single. The whole album Primeval is really, there's not a good way to say it. It's just about sex. <laughs> so, you know, everything is supposed to be more romantic and, and different feelings around just sexual feeling and all of that. So that's where the name Primeval comes from, um, just being based on primitive instinct, you know, that raw elementary feeling that we have. Mm -hmm. So each song in this album is really like a different side to that. And, you know, pulling back, you know, I'm a married man now, but pulling back to, to my explorations and coming up to this point. So um, human nature uh, was more about forbidden love. So kind of like the love on the down low, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> probably more in my 20s right so you know one night stand stuff like that uh, specifically this one was uh, about an affair with a married man oh so it's all about that experience and and where that took us so yeah that's that track it's a little bit more kind of groovy maybe a little bit r&b synth wave so very cool so now that i have the context <laughs> <laughs> you never get it out of your head now well now i must know what is heaven is here Okay, so Heaven with Heaven is here, um, kind of the, the move of the album, right? So if you think about the track listing, it opens with Call of the Wild, and that's that's about, you know, giving over your animal instinct and going out for the hunt, so like dating, right? As you kind of go through the album, like, it's kind of these ups and downs of romantic, you know, searching for that person. And so Heaven is Here is kind of the one main romantic song, and so it's really about finding that forever person. Kind of a nice note to end on as you've gone searching through, you know, from the dating to, uh, you know, infectious obsessive love to she's a professional which is more about transactional sex <laughs> you know heaven is here is is really that you know you found that person so that person you want to be with forever it also has a really nice sex solo in the end so just sound wise it was a nice way to finish but um, i like to leave it with a happy ending <laughs> <laughs> not to to call that out for what it is but <laughs> you know it's 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 nice to end with the the real love story and you know my that's my yeah. experience right so uh you know i'm in a 10-year relationship at this point and truly in love and it should end that way if that's the true story so oh, i love that congrats by the way that marriage is recent isn't it yeah, thank you. It has its own upside downs. I don't ups and downs. I don't know if the next <laughs> album would be about that, but <laughs> we'll ah, that's normal. Yeah, it'll uh -oh. be about snoring in the bed and, and stuff like that. <laughs> Which ones were the transitional tracks? Uh, so there's there's two kind of transitional tracks. One is Twilight. Oh, and. And Atlantis. that one is where it is in the uh, album. Originally, I was thinking to open with it as kind of like this opening piece. I wrote it just kind of looking at the artwork for the cover. I was just like, how do I feel like I'm there? So that one was uh, more of just that feeling of like you arrive, there's a moon in the sky and a crazy mountain behind you. And that one is track four uh, when thinking about vinyl, just because I wanted to make sure that last track on the side uh, was a bit quieter. So kind of move that open with Call of the Wild and just kind of smooth out with Twilight. Badlands would be the other one. So in the same kind of vein, it's looking for just something atmospheric as well to kind of transition you to the end. And that one is more kind of based on the inside look of the cassette where it's more of that like mountains and rocks and that. And so I just picture that space and I'm like, what would that sound like? So both those just instrumental, I think they're good in their own right. But yeah, both of those, I wouldn't say like single, right? Hmm. I also wouldn't call them an album track. I guess they technically are because they're there for the album. But um, I've gotten a lot of people say they actually really have been digging on Badlands. So I think I opened uh, the stream, Synth Valley Stream Fest with uh, Twilight. Oh, okay. Yeah, something in my head, it was like, that's an opener song, kind of like, I think is, if this was a musical, it would open with something like that. No, that's great. Did you do the uh, the artwork? 
I did not. So that piece I actually purchased from ArtGrab, which is a really cool website that um, you can buy exclusive media. Um, it's just kind of going through. Sometimes I have people draw for me. Uh, that one I just found on there, and I love the the piece. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I can't. I can't really draw or like I can do like the album like putting it together uh, with text and all that so I did that work and like where the images sit but um, I'm not much of a visual artist I just you know find stuff that speaks to me and that kind of gives me that vibe and, and go with it. Um, but I think it's important to support the artists. So I, I love Art Grab just because it's a way for you know artists to connect with the musicians and uh, pretty much everything on there is meant to be like album covers. But the artists actually get to walk away with a decent price for it. It's just a nice way to connect. And then you can actually meet artists through there. And if you like their work, you can then also reach out and get something especially uh, done for you as well. That's great. Yeah. Man, some people are looking for options other than Fiverr. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fiber is great. Um, you know, I don't know if it's always the you don't always get the same quality. Uh, what I like about like art grab and stuff like that is you get to kind of browse through stuff that's already there. And if you like what the art, what's already out, you can grab it or kind of reach out again. And then most of the artists also have uh, Instagrams that you can get on and connect with them. Um, I have had some Fiverr wins, though. So Fabian mm. Hernandez was a Fiverr win for me. He is the sax player on She's a Professional. Oh, found him randomly. I'm like, okay, who's this guy? Uh, he's a Grammy award-winning saxophonist. And he was just amazing. And he has a, just this tone that I've never really heard come out of a, of a sax. <laughs> he just has this nice, like raspy quality that was just super sexy. So um, you do win on Fiverr sometimes, but I'm sure he's on the other sites as well. Yeah. Yeah. People need options. Yeah. I've had some Fiverr losses too, but we won't talk about those. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, I, I still out there. Yeah, still tip. Give them, hey, take five bucks, but I'm not going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, you know, that's good of you. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're still an artist working for a living. So an artist subjective, I'm sure somebody would have enjoyed it. But you also have to know when it's not working, right? Yeah, absolutely. And call it, cut your losses at that point before they get any bigger. <laughs> exactly. Did you want to expand on any of the other singles uh, that have been released already? Because we've heard... All four of the released ones on Night Ride already. Yeah, I think uh, so. Deja Vu, I touched on that. Mm -hmm. you know, Deja Vu was an, an older track for me, so I, that one was written early 2000s in the the band Fascination Incorporated. That was a lot slower in the beginning, and I remember the band just hating doing that song because they <laughs> kept saying it sounded like something that. 40 year olds would listen to so funny that i'm 40 and then i re-release it uh <laughs> do you like the old version <laughs> i do the old one is it's they were right <laughs> yeah it yeah exactly and i like no. the new one too i think all my music is made for 40 year olds now but <laughs> yeah that one you know i just i was like how do i just pump this one up uh, so i wanted to release the original re-release it and i was like how do i just make this a little bit you know more upbeat i always heard like some kind of more upbeat kind of disco vibe to it so mm -hmm. i really like that that one kind of like brings you up the old version is a little bit more like a kind of a slow duran duran kind of track like ordinary world or something like that so it's a little bit more soothing um but they both have their place Right. Uh, somebody in the Night Ride IRC had uh, the week that I played Deja Vu said that it reminded them of being at a dance club. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, that was the. There's also the other mix. Is that the one you played? There's a remix uh, by Max Yaskin. Uh, a little bit. Yes. That one is is fantastic. He found me on Instagram. It's like, can I remix your track? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> oh wow. Uh, yeah. So it's super disco on that one. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. That that must have been the one. <laughs> yeah. That one just it's totally dance club, um, which I love. Uh, I, my older style like once I went solo it was more more dance right so I, I have a lot of like also trance kind of roots in my music and so trance club and all that is I love it when you have a beat that you can groove to I like the way that you look tonight you got that special something 
did you get started with the music at all like just to begin with were you very young yeah I was must have been like 15 when I started out I was goth kid listening to goth and dark wave and so I bought a drum machine I was like what can I do so I was learning bass and I had a drum machine I made really terrible music um (laughs) uh, but I just like messing around I got an old Casio keyboard I used to record with two tape players and I used to have I didn't know what a multi-track was but like how do I make layers and so I had two tape recorders and then a microphone in the middle so I just play back and forth over and over again wow it sounds terrible. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you're being resourceful with what you yeah, had. Trying to figure it out, right? Uh, <laughs> see, I started young, and then I, I started a band called Syntax of Devotion in 97. Um, and that's where we started getting a little bit more pop. I mean, still very much, you know, goth pop, but uh, more beat to it, kind of more like a Cure style. I was big into Zymox in those days, Cocteau Twins. Um, like I said, ministry, but like the older up to 89 ministry. So it's kind of like that dance dark wave kind of thing. And slowly but surely it started speeding up. I think sometimes what you're doing and what age you're at and like the drugs you're taking has <laughs> has an effect <laughs> on the music. So, you know, ecstasy found its way into my life. And that's where the beats started becoming like 130, 140. You know, it was Detroit in that time. So the electronic music festivals were, were pretty big. Um, but it was still like kind of EBM, dark wave, uh, goth style with a dance beat. As time went on, you know, I started just going more and more to my earlier roots because when I was a kid I loved um, all the 80s stuff uh, Aha New Order Gary Newman uh, Pet Shop Boys and Flock of Seagulls so slowly the darkness kind of lifted and I, I started going to more major scales and upbeat 80s styles more hand claps I know you've made a, a note about hand claps being the what do you call them the the, com- the comic, comic sans. sans yeah <laughs> uh, the comic sans of synthwave I, I think they are and I love them <laughs> uh, well, let me just at least say they, they can't ruin good music it doesn't yeah. matter, you know. <laughs> it is it is how you use it. So there's a there's a right way and a wrong way. If I were to be composing music, just like if I were to be composing a word document, I would just tell myself as a rule, no comic sans. I don't know how to use it so it does look good, sound good, whatever. But sometimes like even if it's not just a straight hand clap, like merging a hand clap with a snare, it just does some kind of nice uh, effect to it that can be really, really tactful. So you may or may not believe that, but I'll still <laughs> I don't buy have it. any. I don't have any deep beliefs about the hand clap. <laughs> if Sandra Gavin's slipping them by me, then you know what you're doing, uh, all right? I'm not. I'm not even just slipping them by you. I'm throwing them at you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to start any song I send you. It's gonna have to be in Comic Sans. As I type it out. <laughs> Yeah, but the words are still going to be pretty, right? Yeah, so it'll be good like, words. But The font can't ruin it. <laughs> I do think Comic Sans can ruin anything. 
just accidentally leave it on a business email. Oh gosh. Just because you want to be a little quirky, you know? You want people <laughs> to kind of t- take you too seriously. You got to either be real young or real old to get away with that. <laughs> yeah, the old people can get away with it. I'm, I'm pushing that. I'll take that route. <laughs> like, you know, you know Comic Sans by now. <laughs> yeah. But your your last time uh, on stage was 2012? Yeah, so that was, it was 2012, um, and I was in a band with one of my roommates at the time. Um, we were a little bit more of that, like, indie, what's that, like, indie-tronic, I think they call it, if that's a real thing. You know, it was the, the time of 2012, and so she was the same way. She hated hand claps, and so it all kind of ties together. <laughs> and she would not let me use them. <laughs> She's like, it's too cheesy, you can't do it. And so uh, I was like, well, you know, I had already released a solo album, and, you know, I wanted to keep doing hand claps, and so I went back solo. <laughs> I like that better, owning it rather than like changing yep, somebody said no, something. You know? I need I need a hand clap, and so we had you know one almost like an EP album and never fully got released. Um, you know we went our, our separate ways. We're still good friends, but really I, I just needed to be cheesy and add hand claps at that point. Um. <laughs> you broke up over the hand claps? Kinda. You know it, it was it was more than the hand claps. Hand claps were like <laughs> on the surface, like you know I can't do that, and then I can't add a cheesy bass. Uh, I, I wanted to keep going more more and more eighties at that point because it was kind of progressive for me where I kind of started dark and I went heavy and then over time I was getting much more and more uh, synth pop and kind of an eighties sound and I, I just wanted to keep leaning into that. So that band she wanted to go kind of more like guitar oriented and, and heavier, which is great. It's just not necessarily my path. So gotcha. and to this, from that day forward, I was just on my own. Uh, and so, of course, it's hard to do a show when you're when you're solo. I don't you know, want to go up on the stage with like a keyboard and myself singing and uh, a laptop. So if, if I do a show, I, I definitely want to have a group around me playing instruments. I think, you know, that's what I would want to see. So, yeah, if I do a show, I just have to have people that would do it with me. So I'd love to cool. do it with Horizons and Sleepless, but uh, Horizons is in Colombia and Sleepless is in the UK. So... Um, once I get a rider that will pay for that airfare, uh, then that can happen. Just putting that out in the universe. If somebody wants to pay for the travel, we will do a show. <laughs> uh, it's not impossible. It is not. We're having an event uh, in the Pacific Northwest. I know they're flying people out from Europe for oh, wow. this one. Yeah, I, I don't really know how that's going to work with all the you know, the required testing and oh, costs yeah. more in certain countries. That's and... got to be tough. That's nice they're doing it, though, getting the bands out. Um, but it's probably all the same band is coming from the same place, right? Uh, it's not I, having I, to fly in three people from three different <laughs> countries. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Ah. There's someone from Copenhagen, uh, someone from Scotland. Nice. Um, most of them, I think, are from the U.S., but that's uh, Neon Rose happening in October, assuming things don't get shut down again. Ah, uh, Delta. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, we'll cross our fingers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's at some point, I think it's it's bound to happen. I think it's, uh, you know, when and where for us, for, for me. You know, at this point, I'm just really pushing, you know, the online marketing, which is something I had never done uh, in the past. And so when I saw my music kind of slipping and, you know, it's tough when you just, you don't feel like you're getting anywhere, right? But my early days of, you know, marketing were, oh, I put it on CD Baby and it's released and nobody's listening to it. <laughs> and I was like, why not? And then you eventually like give up because you're like, nobody cares to listen. Uh, but really, you just weren't marketing your music. A little over a year and a half ago, I was like, I'm going to do this for real. I'm going to invest in it, drive ad campaigns and, and really do it right and give it a, its best chance of reaching ears. So I think I'm still in that place, uh, putting an album out, you know, getting a vinyl out there and just building and pushing as much as I can and just, you know, get it to some ears. And I think that's kind of next for me. And once I have enough and people that are enjoying it and would come to see me, I would absolutely do get a show put together. And there are a lot of great acts in your area there's a lot of potential for good shows for you to jump on but you gotta you gotta do as well as those acts so 
<laughs> which means I need a good band. So yeah, that's what's cool about the uh, the online gig. So almost like the pandemic is perfect for an artist like me where I don't want to leave the apartment, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, so I s- bought, you know, Sleepless uh, a green screen. <laughs> it's like, here, just take it. I'll send it to you. Get your phone, film you playing the keyboard and singing, send it back, right? Like you can do yeah. it all on your cell phones and just put it together. Definitely not the same as like a, a live band, but. No, but when, when it's all we had, I did get yeah. excited over it, so. Yeah. If there's like an event going on and you plan to be in town, that would save them on the cost of flying out everything that you need, which would then increase the chances that you would get booked. But then you're paying for your own way. And then that's why people try to schedule a tour. Right. Because then you're already paying for for the movement. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you have like you can put people up, right? I think, you know, adulting gets in the way too, right? Like... you have a career like how much vacation time do you got and Mm -hmm. (laughs) are you gonna spend that touring and and all of that so and then roll right back into that office on monday yeah because you used all your (laughs) pto (laughs) yeah so i think for me i'm waiting for like when is that right moment that i can you know take a sabbatical (laughs) get that six month off and and then go tour but when i you know you do it you want to make sure you're playing to a group of people that are coming to see you and um, that it's worthwhile and you're you're reaching an audience so yeah, definitely. Definitely. You're, you're in a great spot for it, too. Yeah, I mean, New York is, it's it's a city, right? So there's a little bit of everything out here. And I, I <laughs> do see Synthwave kind of coming up in places. So Yeah, they were, actually, there's going to be a show at the Knitting Factory right before everything yeah. got closed down. There's so many good shows scheduled. You know, I was I was actually going to go to see Craftwork like the month after the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. And of course, Florian uh, died, and that was upsetting, right? So I had a whole bunch of, of shows lined up. So.
You know, Call of the Wild's not a super deep track. You know, it's really, it opens the album. It's about, you know, hunting, like going out. And I think, you know, in your, your 20s or 30s or wherever, if you're single, you're going out and like looking for someone, right? And so it's that, uh, the hunt for, you know, sex and desire and, and finding that person. Um, nothing romantic about it, but it's, you know, <laughs> finding that that fresh kill. And really that is that is what the track is about. And it, it kind of has that opening vibe. And I think, you know, when you're early, you know, again, the album is kind of an exploration of that. And this is that really just that raw desire uh, you want to get out and conquer and just have fun. I like it. I felt it was a strong single. And then you go barking at the moon or howling at the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's interesting how these, these songs come to be because a lot of times I don't go in thinking like, hey, that's what that track's going to be. Or I, I kind of have an idea of where the, the feel is going to go. But I have a, a strange way of writing where I don't actually use paper i just uh i let the song play and i sing kind of like nonsense words on top of it just kind of like mm-hmm. sounds and melody uh, I, I don't know if a lot of people do that i've heard a few artists that just that work that way but for me it's like melody first like what do i what sounds want to come out you know i think call of the wild just kind of happened i was like it was the words that kind of sounded like that and i was like well, that makes a lot of sense and then the story kind of evolves around that and really that's all of them i don't think i've ever like sat down and like tried to write uh, word for word so a lot of times it feels like the music is just writing it for me and i'm just like the vessel mm, that's cool did you want to get into hooked on you i know we opened with it but yeah, i think i talked about that a bit a little bit um, so hooked on you it's really it's kind of about the infectious type of love so i don't know if you had you ever had a crush in your life that just it wouldn't go away and it wasn't healthy <laughs> <laughs> so that obsession that unhealthy just infatuation is what what that song's about so kind of fitting that those are like the younger sides of you know sexual nature is you know the the hunger the going out with call of the wild to to hooked on you which is a little bit more of that like puppy love kind of thing probably the love that you shouldn't be <laughs> involved in in all and you just you keep you think it's the right thing and you just keep going for it and so that's that's really the, the track you know uh literally hooked on you it's very like addictive so i remember you said that it was the uh, most popular song so far yeah that one has really really taken off i think as an artist i think we always face that where it's like we think it will be this track and we put all of our energy in a certain song and then like hooked on you came out and i kind of put a little bit of promotional energy behind it and it is just skyrocketing and then you know i didn't really even think it was the one that was going to push hard Um, and then when you see that you're like okay let me throw all the all of my efforts at that track and let me keep it going um it's just really interesting how things just kind of take off on their own and it's usually not what the artist thinks it's going to be and so that's why i think sometimes you'll see albums start with like they think this is the the main song right and they open with it and it's usually the track two or three that is the hit yeah sometimes the artist doesn't know and usually you know i think for me i've always in the past liked the songs that weren't popular maybe it's just like you're (laughs) you're trying to you're help that one kid that's just (laughs) maybe sitting by himself at the lunch table maybe i just you know as a kid myself that went through some of that i care about that song like well nobody loves you but i love you (laughs) (laughs) maybe but i think uh we we love like the obvious hits you know right off the bat for the obvious reasons right. you know depending on whatever the song is but also we might you know personally connect with an individual song because i'll hear people call out oh this is my favorite song in that album like i don't yeah. understand why you must like something about it that you know i overlook and looking yeah. for something else I, I think you know some of it's like how deep is the song so you, you look at hooked on you like the lyrics aren't deep it's very pop right Um, It's all about hooks, obviously, hooked on you, you know, but it's a little bit, it's catchy, it's upbeat, but it's very much a pop song, right? So it doesn't go too deep. I think sometimes we write really deep, meaningful songs, and they're not necessarily going to land the same way, right? But maybe some of those songs are slow burns, right? You get somebody hooked in with hooked on you, and then they find another track that really like drives them home. I think that is why albums are so great, because, you know, that one track that's really going to pull your ears in, uh, maybe not be the song that you end up falling in love with. So you get the album and you get to really sit with it. And I think 
that's in my day of listening to music growing up, like it was you buy a record, right? And you sure you bought it for, you know, New Order's True Faith, right? And then you end up listening to the whole record and you're like, actually, this song really stands out to me, right? You fall in love with the whole album as a piece. And we're missing that, right? Because it's all hooks. It's all singles now. Mm-hmm. And we just put all the hooks in a playlist. Yep. And it's all hooks <laughs> all day. <laughs> yeah. It's where we are, right? So... Yeah, um, but I do see like people are trending back to physical, right? We see more vinyl coming out, and I think that's again why with Red Manor, I was like, let's do something with physicals and and really help reconnect with that. And I think that's why we're seeing this major vinyl resurgence, and it makes it really difficult, right? Because the vinyl plants weren't ready for this. We're trying to print vinyl records, and you know we're up to like eighteen month waits. And I think we see this throughout the scene where you know now the major labels are coming in and releasing pretty much their entire back catalog, right? And so as an indie artist, you're like, yeah, I want to print three hundred. Uh, <laughs> And they're like, yeah, we don't have time for that. You know, Sony wants to print a thousand. So it's it's a good sign, right, that this this is happening now and people want to, again, invest in music and, and have it as an experience. But we're in just this interesting space now where uh, supply has not caught up with demand. So Yeah, I think they should do like a vinyl recycling program for damaged yeah, you vinyl. Were, you were saying that you get to send it back. and yeah. I'm not sure where, like, I don't know enough about it to know where the, the holdup is. Like, is it that they're missing the plastic or they just, the plants can't produce enough, right? I heard um, vinyl shortage, but maybe that meant, like, vinyl I think record shortage. I've seen some information on both sides. I think, one, the plants just can't produce at that speed. Uh, but I have heard that they're actually low on the, the product itself. So, mm. yeah, just melt it down. I got <laughs> I got some damaged vinyl. Send it back. <laughs> That'd be perfect. Yeah. If that's the problem, right, we need to do something. But eventually, you know, economic supply will catch up. And then, unfortunately, at that point, nobody will want it. And then prices will drop. But Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> You'll start seeing the bargain bin vinyl again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so Primeval, Sandra Gavin, comes out August 25th. So don't miss that. And That's right. that'll be it'll be out on uh, all physicals. Not all physicals. Vinyl. Cassette, at least. Sure. Most physicals. Vinyl, Most cassette, phys- mini-disc. Mini-disc. CD. We're not doing reel-to-reel yet. <laughs> Could Someone's going to be the first. Could be. I don't know if it'd sell. I don't know if anybody has anything to play that. But <laughs> Well, uh, shout out to Tony from Red Manor Records. I'm sure he'll be listening in. It's like 3 a.m. for you right now. But... Yeah, he... <laughs> <laughs> he'll wake up in his sleep and, and jump on. All right. Let's hear Call of the Wild by Sandor Gavin. Thank you so much for being on the show. Everyone in the IRC, thank you for joining us. YouTube chat, thank you. Have a good night, everybody. On the sands in the dead of night So close but out of sight The hunt begins in the pale moonlight I hear your heart beat with fright And the chase is on It drives my senses wild Is this natural?
It's a call. 